You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And don't forget, tune in tomorrow, college football action. Michigan hosts Illinois, presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Speaking of apps, uh, thank you. you guys are the, the best on, on Twitter. The people that listen to the show and that tweet in. Uh, Jacob Barton, uh, Sarah has now, uh, it, I've, I've experienced this because I heard Sarah playing it, but the loud belch that comes through, I am, <laughs> I'm jealous of it. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to see like if I can get there. Like, every day before the show. The number of times I lean into the mic and make sure that I do that just to disgust everybody, but I, I can't top that. So thank you, Jacob. We'll bring it you've in. Ma- we'll bring the sound in. We'll share it for you, for you later when we play, uh, when we, when we pay off all, all your answers to the last tweet, we'll play the burp. Oh, look at that. Uh, all right. All right, now let's get to some expertise. Jason Wilde, ESPN Milwaukee. Uh, I feel like Packers fans wanted to be sick to their stomach last night when they watched that uh, that overall game from the Titans. We picked the Titans to win this game, but I was surprised to see Ryan Tannehill go off. Uh, for someone that covers the team as much as you do, what surprised you the most in the way that the Packers lost this game? Well, first of all, it surprises me when I look at the rundown of your show. You got Seifert on, you got Herm Edwards, you got Ohm. I feel like you should have called Domofsky so you could have all the stars instead of having me. But you guys are always <laughs> nice enough to have me on. Um, look, I did, the Packers sold out to stop uh, Derrick Henry. And I think we can all agree that had they not done that, had they not said, we're not going to let Derrick Henry beat us, then we would have crushed them if they would have given up 250 yards and three touchdowns to Derrick Henry. But that decision is predicated on your ability to then cover in the back end against the 31st-ranked passing defense in the league. And we have heard since training camp began from these secondary players themselves, from the DBs, how great they are. Well, they weren't great. They weren't even good. And that includes the highest-paid cornerback in the league. They needed Jair Alexander to play better. I don't think I'm saying anything that he wouldn't acknowledge. And Rasul Douglas gets a pick, but he didn't have a great game. Obviously, Darnell Savage, one of their starting safeties, has been inconsistent all year. I mean, you put that together, and that's how Ryan Tannehill has – they had five plays of 30 or more yards. And each time they scored a touchdown yesterday – it was helped by a big, huge, explosive play. And they, the Packers just can't afford to have that with the way they've been playing defense this season. And that's how you end up giving up 27 points, the most points the Titans have scored all season. First, I want to congratulate you on trending on Twitter, Wildy. I know haters will say it's wild, as in Olivia Wilde, because she broke up with Harry Styles. But I know it's about you. Hey, it was and I amicable. Want to it could have been either or. Like, it was amicable. On your big moment, Wildy. Um so is this something that the team could have or should have seen? Because I will fully admit to believing that this was going to be a very good Packers team. I looked at the roster. They had a glut of talent at certain positions, too much even. I expected Aaron Rodgers to still be good. Like, were there signs in the in the offseason that they didn't do the right thing? Because a lot of people thought this was going to be a good squad. Yeah, and and you can include me in a small way. By the way, thank you to Jason Sudeikis for being married to Olivia Wilde for a while, because that's (laughs) what leads to me trending. Um, Look, I I thought that they were going to be a team that struggled during the first half of the season to figure things out offensively 
and defensively. I mean, we all are friends with Mina Kimes. I think the world of her. But I told her flat out, I can't believe you think the Packers have the second-best defense in the league when she said that before the season. I I was Hmm. blown away. And they clearly don't have the second-best defense in the league at this point. But I thought that they would lose some games they shouldn't and struggle during the first half, then start to kind of figure things out and then they've got a bye in week 14, so they've got four games after their bye. And then I thought they would run the table and be that team that nobody wanted to deal with in the playoffs. Now they look like a team that's going to have no business being anywhere near the playoffs. So I overestimated them, too, and I thought the growing pains would go away sooner. And I thought that they were turning the corner after the way they played against Dallas. I thought they win that game, they win at home on a short week against Tennessee, And even if they lose at Philly next week, they're pointed in the right direction. They've got five very winnable games down the stretch. um, And they just, it just hasn't happened. And what's amazing to me, you know, coaches always love to talk about complimentary football. They are among the worst teams I've ever seen at having both sides of the ball play well at the same time. Last night, for example, the defense in the fourth quarter gets an interception, a three-and-out punt, and a three-and-out punt. And the offense goes three-and-out, 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 four-and-out with Mm. the game on the line, and Rodgers misses throws. Earlier in the game, when the offense is actually putting up some points, the defense can't stop anybody, and they're giving up big plays. So that has been the story of their season. And, yes, they had some talent, but I think we all may have been guilty of overestimating some of that talent and underestimating, I did a piece for the Athletic last week. I know it's a captain obvious thing, but it was, I think we all underestimated just how much Rodgers needed Devontae Adams and how much he misses him. We're talking to Jason Wildy, and we've really buried the lead here on this because if you and Olivia, you know, were just to decide you wanted to end up together forever, it would be a wild Wildy wedding, but it would all be one thing. So I don't know, like, I, I'm just, I'm just letting you know, like this is, it's out there, you know, uh, at least to think about for the possibilities. Yeah, there's been once or twice where Paula probably wanted to pawn me off on someone else anyway, so that, would, that might work out for everybody. Oh, look at that! All right, so now what? I mean, the oversimplification here: if the Packers find themselves no good and out of the playoff conversation, what should they do with the rest of this season? Yeah, there's certainly those who believe that they should play Jordan Love to see what they have in him. And I understand the thinking behind that because, you know, let's be honest, this is a different time where first-round picks have the fifth-year option question. And the Packers, other than what they've seen in one start in regular season play when Rodgers got COVID last year, Uh, They basically have preseason tape and practice tape of their 2020 first-round pick. I understand that, but in 2005, the Packers had a similar season to this. They went 4-12. Rodgers was a rookie that year, Favre threw 29 interceptions. I mean, some awful interceptions. Uh, And they were stumbling down the stretch, obviously, and there was never a discussion about playing playing Rodgers at that time. I just think when you've paid a guy $50 million and he's as hyper-competitive as he is, and you probably, if you believe that his thumb injury and the youth and inexperience 
and inconsistency at wide receiver have contributed to his season looking the way it does, you probably want him back, maybe with an adjusted contract next year. Um, I'm not sure that you can uh, bench him in, a, in favor of Jordan Love to see what you've got there. Well, I'll, you sent me up perfectly for my next question, Wildy, and we're talking to Jason Wildy of ESPN Milwaukee here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. What are you seeing from Rodgers that either tells you this is declined because of age, overuse, et cetera, versus this is a fixable decline that we can expect a bounce back next year? Yeah, two things. One, history, right? Like, I, I was there for Favre in 05 and 06. And then I was there for him in 07 when he had a turn-back-the-clock season and they went to the NFC title game. And I was certainly there in 09 when he was unbelievable in Minnesota. Um, so I, I am always reluctant to write off any Hall of Fame quarterback as washed up. That said, I do believe, you know, I talked to somebody the night that they traded Devontae Adams that works in a building and was at a wonderful indoor U12 soccer game on Sydney's birthday. And this guy said flat out, I don't know how the Packers can spin this. You cannot spin. We're going to be better without Devontae Adams. That is impossible to do. Hmm. And I think we all knew that that was the case, but I don't think we knew just how bad it was going to be. And what they, the way they went about replacing him is, the, to me, the primary issue along with Roger's thumb and him not having faith in guys that has resulted in him having this season. Because you can see he doesn't trust guys. That's always been the narrative with him that if I can't trust you, you don't belong on the field, which I don't know why other quarterbacks are able to manage with guys that they don't completely trust, and he's not, but that, you don't have enough time in the show. The greater issue to me, though, is he is – clearly not been as accurate since he hurt his thumb and he was really accurate against the Cowboys and they won. He actually said after the game, he felt like the ball went where he wanted it every single time he threw it last night. There was a key third down to uh, Lazard that he completely missed. There was another ball across the middle to Sammy Watkins. That wasn't even close. He, his inaccuracy, I think is based more on his injury and about the guys that are around him than him having fallen off a cliff. Because I watched the last two seasons, and I don't believe he has just deteriorated that much that quickly. Wildy, always appreciate your time and insight. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. All right, everybody. Take care. Be good. Thanks a lot. That's Jason Wildy, ESPN Milwaukee at Spain and Fitz. All right, tune in for college football action tomorrow night. Oregon hosts Utah, presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Coming up. No beer at the World Cup? Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. There's a very simple way to look at the late reversal by Qatar when it comes to alcohol at the World Cup, and there are reverberations that are also worth discussing. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 8, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance Fitz. The top level is, that sucks for fans, right? Of course, you want to go and watch the games, and there's more to it than getting drunk, but alcohol and the sort of party atmosphere of going to a big event like this, flying all the way to Qatar to watch your team, and then being told less than 48 hours before the start of the games, 
that the sale of alcoholic beverages will be just at the fan festival and a couple other places, no longer at any of the sales points across the stadium, is not what you were promised when you signed up to fly out there, and certainly not what Budweiser was promised. But we'll get to the sponsor. Let's just start with the fan experience that already is going to be very different than other places, and now you're adding this. Yeah, and what's the hardest part about all of this is that You've got an entire globe that looks forward to this event constantly, and then all of a sudden this change happens. And if you're a fan, the outrage I think is pretty reasonable because, you know, imagine. I guess the closest thing I can say for many people here is imagine showing up to the Super Bowl after you bought a huge package to get out to L.A., and all of a sudden you find out you're no longer allowed to have alcohol. When you're traveling halfway around the world to go to the World Cup, you have some expectation of what the event's going to look like and feel like and what it's going to be like. And even in a place that's been very controversial, you've probably been able to normalize some of that in your brain. Mm -hmm. And now you get this quick reminder that, hey, nothing is going to be as planned. It's enough of a piece to make a lot of people question everything, and I think kind of rightfully so. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think so you go and and you go beyond the sort of superficial idea for the fans that not being able to have beer is a bummer. And you go to potential fears and valid ones about what else could change in the blink of an eye because of Qatar's leaders deciding that's how they want it. Whether that's protections that have been promised in terms of not litigating or arresting LGBTQ plus fans. Uh, women and their attire, behavior, access to things. If I were a fan in Qatar, which, by the way, I would not be. This is not a place I would go with my own, you know, potentially if I was sent for work, I would. But I wouldn't choose to go to this World Cup for fear of all the other things that might go wrong. You might be worried about the promises that they've made about how the country's own ideas will not be enforced on the visitors and, and whether that's true anymore. We do also know that there was a paid for support program by, and I don't know if you've heard this, Fitz, the Qatari agency that's responsible for running the World Cup is called the Supreme Committee for Delivery and Legacy. They hired fans from around the globe, offering them travel accommodations, per diem payments for food and drink to show up to this event, to to post positive things, to share good press about the experience they were having. As they're packing and traveling, they were informed that their payment, especially the per diem upon which some of them were depending, was canceled. And basically because they were discovered and it was revealed that there were some fans being paid, they're not going to pay them anymore. That's a I mean, that's a wild decision to make because... All of it. <laughs> all, like, all, the, the whole process and the thought press process is behind it. Just what are you trying to accomplish? Like the the, the weirdest part about this World Cup is that uh, you know, we've talked to a couple of different experts that have said, hey, essentially, you know, you just try to find the beauty in the game, right? Like, and I think that there are there are some soccer fans that are looking at this saying, I just want to find the beauty in the game. All of these conversations that are important to have, uh, this is the risk FIFA took, and now this is the punishment for that, right? Like, it's just, or I should say the consequence for that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know the, the trending video a couple of nights ago from the broadcaster that was trying to do a live report and uh, they came up and tried to destroy his cameras while he was on air. And you, yep. know, you start thinking about all of these. If the goal was to make sure that the world sees you differently, that's not happening early on. And if FIFA had the concept of, hey, once we get to soccer, nobody will care, I don't think that's the case either. So this only gets more and more complicated. 
Yeah. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So the no beer, I mean, it's still accessible in some fan fest areas. And, of course, still available to the wealthy folks in suites, right? So part of it is whether it's visible to folks, where there's possible uh, obvious intoxication publicly. If you can hide in a suite and be rich, you'll have sommeliers available with plenty of options. So the rich versus the poor yet again. So there's the first level. But secondarily, something you just mentioned, and it affects FIFA, who have corruptly awarded a cup to a tiny country without the infrastructure, with massive human rights violations, with complete disregard for the value of human lives when it comes to the thousands lost creating and and making the venues and you award it to them and you're the one who in part has to be held accountable with things like this where one of your biggest sponsors is getting screwed 48 hours before it starts because you decided that you could impose upon Qatar rules and ideas that they have told you all along that they don't align with. Right. So there's no good side in this. I'm not saying good for Qatar to stick it to FIFA, but I am saying to FIFA, this is what you get when you play games like this. Right. And then if you're Budweiser or other places, do you finally have a leg to stand on when it comes to trying to hold FIFA accountable? We know that things never change unless massive money is involved. Well, going forward, does it affect FIFA's decision making at all? The bribes they take, the dirty deals they do to know that their sponsors may be unwilling in the future to take risks based on what they've just shown you here in Qatar. It goes back to, to something you said earlier, and I, I keep thinking about the the story that was trending over the weekend of Adam Schefter getting in a car in Mexico City and suddenly having this realization. He's like, did I get in the wrong car? Am I being kidnapped? Like all of these things that happen when you're in a foreign country you're not familiar with and you're scared. You've mentioned a couple of times behavior, the way you look. Like they're they're looking at everything mm-hmm. that happens and I don't know how you could ever be comfortable in that situation knowing you're there to watch soccer and you do the wrong thing and suddenly you can find yourself in a life-altering awful situation. I mm-hmm. I I can't I can't wrap my head around it. I don't know why anybody's there. Yeah, it's everything from drugs, which are wholly illegal, and if you got caught, it's a very serious thing, to things like public intoxication. In theory, you're not allowed to be shirtless. Like, There's a lot of things around the behavior of sporting events that will run up against what they believe there. Um, and if you haven't, by the way, I'd recommend listening to the ESPN Daily about this man on the ground talking about all this stuff, including having his you know phone taken away for filming. Uh, we're going to talk NBA coming up next in Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spade and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. It's easy to bundle your home and car insurance at Progressive.com. This song just makes me want to, you know, slow dance. Just makes me want to hold somebody. <laughs> I feel like that's how Clippers fans feel right now. They just Grab want somebody to hold them. the glass and Every, just... If you're if you're out there at a clip game right now, you're just like finding the guy next to you, the girl next to you, and you're just like, hey, man, hold me. That's all you can do. You're trying to get through all of it. Uh, we're going to get some insight on what to expect from the Clippers and all really across the NBA from Om Young Masuk joining us, ESPN NBA analyst. Om, always appreciate your time, man. Thanks for answering the bat phone on a Friday night. Uh, obviously, we've been talking a lot about the uh, the Clippers and sort of what to expect because it's difficult when you got a guy that's in and then he's out. Is he healthy? Is he not healthy? Uh, he makes his return last night. How much can we take away from what we saw in that first game? Um, I think the biggest thing is just the, you know, that he made it out of it healthy, at least so we think, you know, I mean, you got to still wait and see how his body reacts today and then tomorrow at shoot around because, 
you know, I think what we forget is he didn't play all of last year. Um, and during that time, he did not play any five and five, four and four, three on three, or even two on two. Kawhi said he does not do that. And so he didn't really do any of that stuff until training camp. And so I think as much as you can simulate, you know, pounding on your body and your knee and try to simulate a movement, there's nothing quite like actually being in a game and playing on it and the unpredictability of that. And so, you know, he felt something in his knee um, at the beginning of the season. Um, they called it stiffness in his knee at a morning shoot-around after he had played two of the first three games, and then he sat out 12 straight games. And so I think just seeing him kind of get through those minutes, um, not getting hurt, um, I think they'll take it. I mean, look, his stats weren't great, but his impact on the floor, just his presence, he was a plus 26 in 24 minutes. I don't normally subscribe to those statistics because I actually am a little more old school, but I think you can see his impact defensively and opening things up. And a guy like um, Reggie Jackson really benefited from his, his, you know, just Kawhi Leonard's presence back on the floor again. I don't want this to come across the wrong way. I respect Kawhi's return from injury, especially this time. It feels like he's being authentic and honest about just how long it takes to come back. But do you think it's fair and do you think around the fan base there are questions about just how passionate he is about the game, how much he cares about being out there, understanding the strange way things ended with the Spurs and the in and out nature of his availability over the course of his time with the Clippers? Yeah, I mean, Sarah, it doesn't help that Kawhi is super cryptic about everything. I yeah. mean, like we asked him, what exactly kept you out in the last 12 games? Because we don't really know. It was just like basically stiffness in his knee, and that was it. And, of course, we didn't talk to him. And he said he wasn't going to go into detail about it. And then he said, I'm not a doctor. No one in this room is a doctor. So I'm not going to talk about it, basically. Mm. And I'm just back and, you know, progressing. But he did tell us that in his mind he believes that an AC injury is not a one-year thing. It's a two-year process. I think that sheds a lot of light of maybe where his thought process is. Um, of where he is as far as ramping up and coming back and things like that. And he said he called it like a long journey, a long process. Um, so I, I can understand the frustration with Kawhi Leonard. One, he doesn't give you much. He doesn't tell you anything. That makes it a little more difficult. And then, two, the history. You know, we, we saw what happened in San Antonio and how he was at odds with the Spurs organization. Um, and then Toronto, yeah, he was in a contract year, and so, but he still missed a bunch of games. Um, load management, all that, that's a big frustration. And now I think he does genuinely want to play, but then I also think, like, when he felt something, I think he really was erring on the side of caution and the Clippers too because their whole thing is they just want to make sure that this team is healthy come playoff time. Um, and so I think as soon as they figured there was something there, they were just like, let's just make sure we get this out of the way and that he's going to be okay. But I don't know. I think this is going to be something you're going to have to watch the entire season because, as he said, there's not, and the Clippers are saying this too, there's no straight line when it comes to an ACL injury. And everybody, everybody has a different body, right? I think people are more frustrated too with Kawhi because they see other people come back from an ACL injury, right. and it maybe is a little smoother. The one thing I'll say about Kawhi Leonard is people forget about this. He's more of a power player than a finesse player. Everything he does, even though he is a forward, he it's heavy it's it's like hard it's like when he jumps and lands it's with power when he falls down he falls like a big man like every fall is a hard fall so like nothing is smooth i think with him in a sense that's why people think he's kind of robotic and so i think people have to remember that that every part of this game is explosion and look 
he's got, you know, I think I had said this earlier. I think I caught him um, Kawad Leonard because his quads were so big when he came into training camp. But I don't, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he shouldn't be that big. He spent like 15 months pretty much just lifting weights and bulking up. And maybe, I don't know, maybe the weight might, might be impacting, you know, his comeback as well. Maybe he, he may, and I'm sure he'll lose it in no time at all the more he plays. All right, so, um, you know, if I look across the landscape for NBA fans, it's a frustrating start. By the end of the year, which fan base is more angry at the world, Clippers fans or Lakers fans? <laughs> um, I'm going to say probably Laker fans because Laker fans are spoiled. Um, Clipper fans have had, like, a little bit of taste here. Yes, this is it's time for the, the Clippers to kind of do something. This is year four for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. It's kind of time for them to make this run, albeit, look, it's trending in the way that it looks like they're not going to have the continuity and chemistry that they hope for entering the playoffs just because of all this injuries and guys ramping up and things like that. With the Lakers, it's, it's a lot different. I mean, it's just like I think fans were so sick of how things went last year that they're hoping that things will trend better, and it just – I mean, I, I get it. They, they, they look like they may be turning the corner. I know it's early, but, like, man, they were playing some bad basketball. I mean, it looked like for a while the only thing you would have to look forward to is LeBron James chasing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar this year because that's how bad the Lakers look. But look, the Lakers, they're trending up. They're getting Thomas Bryant, Dennis Schroeder back. LeBron is supposed to be on his way back uh, tonight. So And they have they got to take advantage of the schedule right now where – uh, three of the next five games are against the San Antonio Spurs. They play the Pistons tonight. I think they got a game against Indiana after that five-game stretch. So these are the these are the type of games they have to win if they want to really start making some noise and maybe putting some pressure on Rob Palenka to make a deal. Hey, Oma, I want to ask you quickly, back to the Clippers, because we were talking about this earlier. It's always difficult when a superstar player is in and out of the lineup, adjusting to them as a basketball uh, deal. But is there still a sense that Kawhi has an outsized amount of control on things like when they practice and what those practices look like and what they focus on? Because at one point there were a lot of reports about him being almost as as powerful as the coach there. Is that still the case despite his absence? That was um, under Doc Rivers, and that was the first year. But, I mean, I guess, I look, I think he does have a lot of influence when it comes to himself um, and his health and things like that. I think there's, you know, he has a lot of that control. As far as, like, practice and when the plane takes off and things like that, no. I, I don't think he controls much of that stuff. I think that is still run by the Clippers. But, I mean, look, Kawhi Leonard, if there was one player that has power in this organization, it would be Kawhi Leonard. He's the franchise player. Um, and I think the Clippers have kind of given him that much power. But I don't think it's to the point where, like, you know, uh, they're holding the team plane or they're changing schedule plans or anything like that for Kawhi, unless it's something where they think, you know, oh, well, maybe if, if we hold him out here and we, you know, we play him in this game, it might, it might benefit, uh, you know, his health or anything like that. From that standpoint, I think he kind of controls maybe like which game he plays in and how many minutes and all that. But I will say this, Sarah, he wanted to come off the bench early in the season and he did that in two of the first three games when he played. And it was kind of weird and awkward because he wouldn't come in until like the six minute mark of the second quarter. And then this time around, Ty Lue was like, no, no, you're starting. Uh, it was too hard to manage that. Hopefully we can build more continuity with you starting. So Ty Lue kind of just said, let's just have you start. And so that, I think that's one area where maybe we saw that, like, you know, Kawhi tried it his way in the beginning, and now the Clippers were going to do it their way uh, this time around.
Ohm, as always, we appreciate you, my friend. Doing great work. Thanks for coming on and hanging out with us. All right, thanks for having me, guys. And if I don't talk to you before then, happy Thanksgiving to you guys you and too. everybody else. You too, my friend. Om Young Masuk, ESPN NBA analyst. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, by the, by the way, going to have to get into the zone at some point this year. Get in the zone. Brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Quickly, Sarah, I did think your point about power uh, only makes me laugh because last night I was watching the Thursday night football uh, simulcast on Amazon, Megacast on Amazon Prime that had uh, the shop on it. And there was one point where LeBron made a little joke about, you know, roster construction and being surrounded by great players. And Jamie Foxx was just not, I mean, he would not let it go. He's like, we all know that you're running the team. When's the trade deadline? You know when the trade deadline and everybody else felt awkward about it. And Jamie Foxx was like, really? We're going to let this thing go. We're not just going to drill down on this. I love it. I love it. Well, if anybody has been in the zone, I do want to give credit to Ben Simmons for last night because we have done nothing but dog him when he's been terrible. He had 15 points. 13 rebounds and seven assists. I mean, come on. Six to six, perfect from the field. Pour one out for Ben Simmons finally doing something good. I can't believe that you were actually saying that. But, yeah, you're right. A a, a big, big night from Ben Simmons. And also, by the way, big win for the Nets, a team that obviously we watch everything they do. They get a win over the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers still first in the West, giving them love. But uh, the Nets get a big win. Good night for Ben Simmons. All right. It's Friday. That means we got to make picks. All the radio shows are doing it. We'll tell you where we are, and we'll give you our picks in the Pick'em Radio Contest next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. We're going to get to our ESPN Radio Pick'em Challenge in a minute here. Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. But first, we asked you to tell us on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz, if you knew Twitter would be gone overnight, what would you want your last tweet to be? And uh, we got a couple good ones, uh, including a very nice one from one of our favorite listeners, Gail, who wrote, I will work to make the last thing I tweet something that praises someone awesome. I will keep tweeting praise and love. I will be a force for good, damn it. I like it, Gail. Stick with it. No matter what's going on around you, this swirling pile of feces. Continue to be positive. Uh, Cubs win the World Series. I like that one. Dale Harris said, so long and thanks for all the fish. Uh, (laughs) Yep. Somebody just posted the end of The Sopranos where it's his face and it gets dark. I like the uh, Amy Schumer deuces and I'm out. Um, I like the Spain is the queen of all media. I like, you know, you can butter me up. You could do that. I mean, someone posted a Raiders flag, so I'm sure you like that one. Yeah. Uh, Michael Colvin had just the Simpsons, uh, post where the guy looks at the screen and says, oh, I've wasted my life. And then everything blows up. That one checks out for this particular place, right? I mean, a lot of time here. Don't know if it was well, well spent. Uh, Lou Lyon said, be kind. That's a nice final tweet. Um, and then this one, which we forgot to bring in sound, so I'm playing it right off my computer because it's worth it. I'm going to give you the context. There are two gals sitting in a car. They appear to be trying to chug a um, some sort of probably bubbly drink, like carbonated drink, as fast as possible, and they are struggling to get it down, and uh, this is what happens. I can't do it. My tummy hurt. I mean. That is a burp. That from is. From a woman. 
That is from a woman. That's right. From like, a woman. Adam, like a petite, pretty lady. I'm saying, like, that. add a girl to that one. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. She has more room, sir. She would like another. Like, that's where. No, right. That, Get back is, at it. That is uh, that is just spectacular. You know, I I would love. To I want th- the people to know that that is you every time we do a pre-show. Oh meeting. my God, it is every pre-show meeting. Fitz lets off the meatiest burps. And they like, look like you could absolutely cut them with a fork and knife that's what the visuals of these burps are that come through the line and and i'll be honest guys like i lean right into the microphone and i put my face directly on it because like these mics are great they catch like the extra you know beef in your vocal like uh, you know i should i sound even more like me- mickey mouse when i'm not on this mic right so i want this mic to be like oh right i'm all in for it yeah i drink a lot of sparkling things like a lot of carbonated beverages a lot of sparkling water yeah, we and can so- tell Sometimes you know it, it, put, it makes my tummy a little gas gas. Oh, God. All right, let's make some picks, Fitz. By the way, did you know it's Mickey Mouse's birthday? Totally off the rails. 94th Happy birthday. birthday. Happy 4th birthday. 94th birthday to our boss today. Yeah. All right. Keep it clean. That's right. We were doing quite well for most of the season when it came to the Pick'em Challenge. Unfortunately, we've hit a bit of a rut. Part of that was my O for 3 last week. Youch. And we are now three points behind the leaders. Freddie and Fitzsimmons and Greeny tied atop the standings at 16, 12, and 2. We are tied with KJM and B&H at 13, 5, and 2. And then down at the bottom, Carlin and Canty, 12, and 15, and 2. So it's very tight. It's still possible. Uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, Greeny could have a bad week, and we could surge into the lead. So Fitz, we're counting on you. You're making the picks this week. Let's start with the Jets at the Pats. 13 straight Minus gets to 14 three, yeah. straight. This one's easy. Like, I think we are trying to create a game where there isn't one. Last time I checked, uh, Zach Wilson can't handle pressure, and Bill Belichick can dial up pressure. Even though Mac Jones is just a big old sack of stink, I don't bu- I don't believe in Mac Jones either in this. This is the battle of two quarterbacks that have no future in the NFL, in my, in my opinion. I still think that Zach Wilson will make the mistakes against Bill Belichick. And because when you're cursed like they are cursed – 13 gets to 14. I think the Pats outright outright win this game, but the fact they're favored by three, I think they'll win by more than that, so I'm good. These uh, teams are tied for second in points allowed per game since week four, and like you mentioned, Zach Wilson, not great. Mac Jones at least will be healthier this time. He was just coming back from that ankle sprain. Um, I'm going to disagree with you here. I think the Jets get the win here, and I think they get it by... I think they get it by three, though, so I agree with you. I think – wait, hold on. It's the Pats getting yeah. the points. I take the Jets. I take the Jets. All right. She takes the Jets. We disagree on that one. We'll mark that for yep. the poll and see where it goes. All right. Next game up on the lot, on the list. I think this is the toughest game of the week to pick. I mean, there's just – this is just hard for – if it was at night, it wouldn't be hard. We all make that joke constantly, but there is proof in the pudding on that. I'm not out on Dallas, even though Dallas played really poorly, and I'm not in on Minnesota, even though Minnesota got the big win against Buffalo. The thing of it is, though, I just – man, I, I don't know. I, Justin Jefferson is so unbelievably hard to stop right now. I, it's just seared in my head. Maybe it's recency bias. I think I like the Vikings, but, Sarah, you could talk me out of this one. Yeah, I uh, th- 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 think this is a really tough one, and I could see it going either way. To your point, the weapons from the Vikings could feast on this Cowboys D, but for whatever reason I have in my head, Micah Parsons making some big plays, defensive front making things tough for Kirk Cousins, and the Cowboys getting the win. I'm taking the Cowboys and the one and a half. Ah, uh, 
All right, didn't talk me into it. I think, oh, I don't know. This was, No, I'm taking the Vikings. I'm going to trust my instinct on it. Okay, yeah, I, but stick with man, the All right, I'm going to stick with the Vikings. And then the last I one. Been on a, I haven't been on a win streak, so the, uh, well, final one is the Chiefs minus six of the Chargers. Yeah, and there's a, it's a big, oh, we'll play the voice of God. Go ahead. Yeah. Chiefs are favored by six. It's a big number in this game, but the implosion of the Chargers continues every single week. The game's in L.A., and that makes me a little hesitant for the points, but as well as Mahomes is playing right now and as bad as the Chargers have played at times defensively, I'm going to take the Chiefs in the points here. I completely agree with you. I think it helps the Chargers to get back Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who are expected to return. But for me, this is a Chiefs team that's going to have a pretty easy go of it, and they're going to win by more than six. I'm taking the Chiefs. All right. We got our usual games that we pick here. Yeah, we got to pick our teams. Bears, Falcons. Uh, How do you like this one? Yeah. I actually think I was going to say, I actually think the way the bears have been going, I I expect them to win this game. It's so hard to tell. Justin Fields has been incredible. And the defense I think has been top uh, five in the league of DVOA in the last couple of weeks. So things are trending in the right direction for Chicago. Whereas the Falcons are just a weird team. Sometimes that offense looks really interesting, fun to watch. And sometimes they're a disaster. I'm, I'm taking the bears. I'm taking the bears too. We agree on that. One more. Broncos are favored by two and a half, and they are not good. Uh, but guess what? Neither are the Raiders. <laughs> uh, after last week's loss to the Indy, I, I no longer expect the Raiders to ever win. So I'll take the Broncos in this game, even though I think the Raiders are a better team. It doesn't matter. Defeat yeah, Rebels. I also don't expect the Raiders to ever win again. Um, uh, when they do, it will always be a surprise. I'm not saying they won't ever. I'm just saying I'm not going to predict it to happen. So I agree with you. I'm taking the Broncos minus two and a half. Well, uh, you should stick around. Freddie and Fitzsimmons is out and up next. Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr both going to join him for the entire show. Don't want to miss Amazing. it. This has been Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Happy Friday. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.